Hey, welcome home, everybody. I'm Jeremy Pearsons, and you are watching Legacy Television. We're glad you tuned in today. In just a moment, we're going to get back into the Word of God together. We're going to spend some time in worship together. I know uh, many of you may be, you've been watching the broadcast since we started back weeks and weeks ago, but maybe somebody's watching and you've, you've never seen Legacy Television before. Well, welcome. We say welcome home because this is actually our house and uh, we're glad to have you in it. Uh, we've, we've felt like from the beginning uh, of our television ministry that our mission field was your living room or wherever it is you're watching this broadcast. We want to serve you with the word of God. We wanna serve you with his word and teach you how to live by faith right now in this day of grace. And that's what this ministry is all about. Really, we wanna serve our generation. Anybody who, who tunes into this broadcast, we believe no matter what age you are or where in the world you're watching from, we believe there's something in this for you. But who is on our heart? Who is our passion? It's our generation. It's our friends. It's the ones that we're doing life with because we want to see you. We want to see all of them affected by the word of God, the same way that the generations that have gone before us, the same way they've been changed by the word. We want to take and hold on to those same truths and give them to another generation. At the same time, we're ready to make a way for the generation that's coming up behind us. Sarah and I have two little ones growing up in our house right now. Justice James Pearsons, he's six years old, can't believe it. And Jesse Grace, she's almost three and uh, every bit of it. And uh, so we're so mindful right now of this generation that's coming after us. And I remember being at a minister's meeting one time and hearing a man speak, actually just having a conversation with him. And he's a little bit older than I am. And he was talking about how it was back in the day. You ever heard one of those stories? Back in the day, back when I was first starting out. And I am so thankful to God for the men and women of the generations that have gone before us and their determination to not quit in the face of any kind of hardship, in the face of any persecution. And it's been their perseverance that has made a way for you and I to be looking at each other right now, for you and I to be engaged in what we're doing right now. As I sat there listening to this man talk about some of the things they'd been through and what they dealt with, I, I thanked him for it. And at the same time, I said, sir, I want to know what it is that I must refuse to quit in the face of for the sake of my children, for the sake of the generation that's coming after me. So you get kind of a glimpse of who we are in this ministry and, and what we're all about. We want to serve our generation and we want to make a way for the one that's coming behind us. And if that resonates in you, if that's a big deal to you too, then we invite you to partner with us. Get on board with this assignment. We say all aboard. And if you want to be on, uh, on the team with us and getting this done, just visit us online, pearsonsministries.com. There's lots of partnership information there. Partner with us in your prayer partner with us in your faith. And as the Lord leads you to partner with us financially, that's between you and Jesus, but you just do whatever he tells you to do. If you want to be a part of this broadcast going all over the world, then you can get on board with the Legacy 365 project. Right now, this is a weekly broadcast, but we know that our job is to head towards a daily broadcast where we're ministering to everyone, everywhere, every day. And that's a big job. But if that resonates in you and that same assignment is on your life, then we invite you to get on board with us in this, in the Legacy 365 Project. More information at pearsonsministries.com. Let's pray together today. We'll get into the Word. We'll worship together. We'll get our lives changed. Father, we do love you. 
We do honor and adore you, sir. You are so precious to us. Your word is so valuable to us. We rejoice at your word, just like one who's found a great treasure because we know within it, every need that we have is met. Every bill that we have is paid. Everything that we could ever ask for or desire through faith in your word, you are ready, willing, and able to meet that need. And we thank you for it. We thank you today for eyes that see Jesus in the word of God, ears that hear his voice, and hearts that understand who he is in us and who we are in him. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, on last week's broadcast, we began reading the words of Jesus in John chapter 15. If you missed that broadcast, you can always watch it, download it absolutely free. You can get that from the Legacy Studios app. Get caught up with us because I want to go back to what Jesus was saying in John chapter 15. He was talking to us primarily about two things. Number one, bearing fruit. And number two, abiding, staying. I want to talk to you today about staying power. The power that comes when you stay in Jesus. He talked all through these first eight verses and really beyond in John chapter 15, but let's look at them again together. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. I think it's interesting that Jesus said there, I am the true vine. You know, there's nothing fake in Jesus. There's nothing false in Jesus. And because of that, there must be nothing fake, false, or phony in us as well. He said, I am the truth. There is no lie in him. Jesus is authentic. He's genuine. He's real. And by his grace, that same thing can be found in us. What he was saying here, and I think this is borne out in other translations, he was saying, I'm not a counterfeit. There's nothing fake. There's nothing false in me. I'm not a counterfeit. I'll tell you this. I'm kind of a kind of a watch guy. My grandfather got me into watches way back when. I have a small collection. I've got a few nice ones, mostly some cheap ones, but a couple of nice ones. And, um, you know, you could really spend a lot of money on a watch. I don't know if you've ever looked into these things, but you could spend $1,000 on a watch. You could spend $10,000 on a watch. You could actually spend $100,000 on a watch. I'm thinking of a watch right now, a guy who makes a particular watch. He makes it out of uh, parts from spaceships and Formula One race cars. This guy makes watches that are so precise and so fine in their craftsmanship that they sell for over half a million dollars for a watch. <laughs> for a watch. Now, I don't have one of those yet, but, but what I'm saying to you, you could spend all that on a watch or you could walk up and down the streets of a place like New York City, maybe even Chicago, maybe even where you live, and there might be a guy out on the street with a box full of watches and say, you know, 50 bucks, 25 bucks maybe for a watch. And you look at it and it looks just like the one that cost $1,000 or $10,000. It may even have the same name on it. And you're thinking, how could I buy this kind of watch for this kind of price? I mean, it looks just like it. It feels just like it. Well, it's easy to make something look real. But the big difference between the real and the counterfeit is what's inside. Oftentimes, that's the only difference. That's the only way you can tell a difference. And if the guy making and selling counterfeit watches could actually duplicate what was inside the expensive one, then it wouldn't be counterfeit. See, it's what's in you that makes you authentic. 
The scripture talked to us about avoiding people who have the form of godliness, but deny the power. It's easy to dress this thing up, man. I mean, it is easy to have a form, a shape, an outward appearance of godliness. It's another thing entirely to have the power of God coming out of you because that's where it comes from, from the inside out, not the outside in. So anyway, that's what Jesus is saying here. I'm the true vine, no counterfeit in me. And if there's no counterfeit in him, by his grace, let the same be said of us. Nothing fake, nothing false, only true within us. Amen? God. Verse one, let's keep going. Verse two, Jesus said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, my father takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And if you remember on last week's broadcast, we talked about the significance of bearing fruit. Fruit is proof. Matter of fact, just say that out loud right there where you're sitting. Fruit is proof. If there's an apple hanging on the branch of a tree, that fruit is proof of what kind of tree it is. It's proof of the seed that got sown. It might've been decades before that, maybe even hundreds of years before that, but the fruit is proof of the seed that got sown. And that's the kind of thing Jesus is talking to us about here. He and your father want you and I bearing fruit. He wants there to be proof in our lives because when there's proof in your life and people see that, you become a testimony of the goodness of God. You become a witness to the fact that there is a God. And not just that there is a God, but that he's a God of love, that he's a God who wants to be involved in the lives of his children. That's really what a witness is. You know that? It's somebody who has seen and somebody who has heard. You think about it in the context of a courtroom and a lawyer puts a witness on the stand. Well, that person, if they didn't see anything and they didn't hear anything, then they are not a witness and they cannot offer evidence. You're only a witness when you've seen. You're only a witness when you yourself have heard. And there's a bunch of people out, quote unquote, witnessing for Jesus that have not for themselves experienced his goodness, tasted and seen how good he is. But when you do, when you taste and see the goodness of the Lord, you become a witness and you can offer this kind of evidence, this kind of proof. And that's what God's in need of right now. Because in the lives, in the hearts, in the minds of people all over the world, God is on trial. People have put God on trial and accused him of murder. They've accused him of stealing. They've accused him of destroying. Every time some destructive weather system blows through a town, there's somebody inevitably that's going to talk about not knowing why God did this. Somebody in a family member dies of some awful disease and they stand up at a funeral and don't know why God did it. Some of them accuse him. Some of them are angry at him. And right now, God is on trial in the hearts and the lives and the minds of people all over the world, standing accused of these awful things. And you know what he needs? He needs evidence. If he is going to win this case in their lives, he must have evidence that he's not the one stealing. He's not the one killing. He's not the one destroying. I'm preaching to somebody right now. God is not the one doing these things in your life. He's the giver of life, 
not the taker of life. And he needs you to be a witness of this. And he needs you to take the stand on his behalf, bearing fruit, bearing proof and evidence. And when somebody says to you that God took something or someone from them, that's your opportunity right then to take the stand and say, hey, listen, I know you're hurting. I know what you're dealing with and going through, but let me tell you something. God didn't do it. He's not the thief. He's giving life, not taking it. And then you go, you go to bat for God. You go to bat for God right then and allow his goodness, the fruit, the proof of his goodness in your life. Let that be a testimony and let it save somebody else. We keep getting stuck in these verses. We got to keep going. Jesus went on and, uh, well, let's just back. Let's, let's just go on to verse seven for the sake of time. Listen to what he said here. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. By this, my father's glorified that you bear much fruit and so you will be my disciples. So two things Jesus is really driving home here. Number one, bearing fruit. And you want that, I want that. I want evidence in my life that not just there is a God, but that he's my God, he's living in me and he's living through me. My healing is evidence of my God. My prosperity is evidence of my God. My very salvation is evidence of my good God and that he's for me and not against me. So I want that kind of proof. I want that kind of evidence. You do too. You want that at play in your life. But Jesus, true to form here, doesn't just tell you what God's looking for. He tells you how to get it. That's why he talked to us so much about abiding. And I left off last week's broadcast with this simple statement, if you will abide, you will abound. If you will abide in Jesus, you will bear fruit. Now, Jesus talked about it here. He talked about abiding in his word. He would go on in the verses that follow this and talk about abiding in his love. You know what the word abide really means? You can look it up. There's a bunch of different words that go with it. It means to, to remain or to continue. There's one word I think that we would probably still use today. And that word is this. It just simply means to stay. To abide just means to stay. I was thinking back on, um, this will sound funny to you, thinking back on this dog that we used to have when I was living at home with mom and dad. We actually had a couple of dogs. Actually, you know what? Through the time I was growing up, we had a bunch of dogs and a bunch of really dumb dogs at that. But, but by the time I was like late high school, after I graduated, we had a couple of dogs, Hank and Zeke, best dogs we ever had. And Hank, he was this giant standard poodle, just jet black, curly hair, big dog. And I loved Hank. Me and Hank, we were buds. And Hank was probably, not probably, definitely the smartest dog we ever had in our house. And Hank would just do anything you told him to do. He was such an intuitive little dog, man. And he could just give him commands, give him orders, and he'd obey. And a fun-loving dog. And we just, we would always tell people how brilliant Hank was. Hank's a brilliant dog. But I was thinking about it. And one of the reasons we thought Hank was so brilliant, and one of the reasons you probably think your dog is so brilliant, is because he would simply do this. You could tell Hank to sit, and you know what Hank would do? He'd sit. And then you could tell Hank to stay, and you know what Hank would do? He'd stay. 
And we just would all step back and applaud. Look how brilliant Hank is. And you've done, you've done the same dumb thing with your dog. Brilliant dog. Why? Because they'll sit and they'll stay. And I was thinking about this in context of what I'm preaching to you now. And I, I think sometimes God wishes that I was at least as smart as Hank. You know, I think sometimes he wishes that Jeremy would sit when God told him to sit. I think sometimes God wishes that Jeremy would just stay when God told him to stay. And we would think Hank was so brilliant. We would think this dog, he's this super dog because he'd sit and he'd stay. Sit, stay, good Hank. Well, Jesus is telling us, in essence, the exact same thing. Stay, stay, stay in me. Stay in my word. He will go on in the same chapter to talk about abiding in love. Stay in my love. Stay. Now, if Jesus has to make such a big deal out of staying, what do you think your flesh is going to want to do? Want to leave? Want to move? And I think if there's anything that our culture struggles with more than anything else, it's this right here. It seems as though we really lack the ability just to stay in one place. It just comes up over and over again. We get that busyness about us. We get that, that, that itch. You know what I mean? We've got that itch to go somewhere else and do something else. And, and I heard a, a pastor not, not too long ago say this, a pastor of a huge, thriving, growing church. He said, you know, when I get a resume, I always look at how long somebody was able to stay in a place because that speaks volumes about that person. If they're bouncing around a year here, a couple of years there, and never really staying in one spot, what do you think that says about them? They lack focus. They lack attention. They lack the, the ability to just sit and stay. And Jesus is talking to us right in these verses about staying power, the power that's available to us if we'll just stay, if we'll just sit when he tells us to sit and stay when he tells us to stay. I can just hear Jesus saying to you now, sit, stay, good Christian, good Christian. Well, that's what he's telling us to do. Abide in me, stay in me. And you can rest assured that the pressure is coming against your flesh to try to pull you out, to try to pull you away from Jesus. If it's so crucial that you stay, you know that your enemy knows how important he wants it to be that you leave that you be pulled away. And you think about all the different things that are causing people to watch this disconnect. Disconnect from Jesus. Disconnect from the word. Disconnect from a church. You think about the life that's flowing to people on a weekly basis. People who are in services on Sunday, services during the week, services where they're hearing the word of God preached to them. And maybe they came to that church weeks, months, or years before, and their children were born again in children's church, or they got their lives changed. Maybe their marriages were restored in that church. And everything's good for a while. But then something comes up, something silly, somebody at church says something rude or, or the pastor doesn't say hello to him that day or something catches them funny and, and, and Satan begins working on them right, there, right then and there. You know what you should do? You should go. You should try this other place. They don't love you here. There's no place for you here. You should, you should go over here. You should go over here. And I wonder how many people 
around the United States and all over the world all share the same testimony of, I used to go to church there. But for whatever reason, they've allowed something to get between them and that flow of life. And Jesus said, if you allow something to separate us, if you don't maintain this living communion, the same way a branch must stay connected to the vine, if you don't stay connected to me, you don't stay connected to my word, and if you don't stay connected to the things I've connected you with, that flow of life will be cut off. I believe it's in the book of Psalms. I think it's chapter 68. The psalmist said this. He said, God sets the solitary in a family. Don't you love that verse? God sets the solitary, somebody who's alone, somebody who has no connection to anyone whatsoever. And he takes that person, he picks them up and he puts them in a family. And he doesn't just do it because that's the sweet thing to do. It is sweet. It is kind. It is loving. But he does it because God is not big on you functioning alone. Because when you're alone, you are not connected to the life that's supposed to be going to you. And you're not letting that life then flow through you. That's the reason he puts you in a family. He puts you in a church family. He puts you in a natural family. He puts you in the family of faith. The scripture tells us, and the word sets, that word set, that little word set, S-E-T, you know what that word means? Abide. In other words, if God sets you in a family, he sets you there with the expectation that you'd stay there. This message today is nothing but a challenge to you. I want you to take inventory of your life right now. Are you plugged into the place God plugged you in? Are you a part of the family he set you in? If you've allowed offense and division to come between you and the church that you're a part of, don't let that exist in you or between you anymore. You close that gap and you get connected to life again. And by all means, don't ever let anything between you and your fellowship with Jesus. If you will abide, you will abound. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.